0: Welcome to The Stockout. This is your show on Freight Waves for all things related to the CPG and retail industry. I think this is going to be a second show in a row. We focus more on the retail industry than the, the CPG industry, but uh, we'll try to make up for that next week. I'll find some good CPG uh, stories. Um, Grace, good to see you. Did you do any Black Friday shopping this time?
1: I took my dad Black Friday shopping for myself. So I, you could say in a way lightly, I did, uh, I can got, I took a a couple of uh, deals. I took advantage of, uh, definitely bought some stuff for my parents, uh, uh, with a nice little discount and uh, we'll actually get to this, but I I bought a few items that just, uh, were just great deals and and had nothing to do with any gifts at all. So I I think a lot of people took advantage of that too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Same thing here. I, got myself a new gym membership and when i was going to close down which actually a lot of them have closed down that's why i kind of think um people are not renewing their gym memberships but that was just a good a good deal It had nothing to do with a gift or anything but it seems like there were a lot of, of, of discounts um competing for for your dollars um so it kind of goes into our first um topic here which you know i was reading through a number of articles yesterday on black friday and it sort of paints this mixed picture of consumer health, and I mean, we we talk a lot about this on various Great Waves shows. You know, how how's the consumer doing? But there's there's some that that kind of give you a picture in kind of real time, like Mastercard. They have the spending pulse, and it says that retail sales on Black Friday grew two and a half percent from last year. They said in store grew one percent, online grew um, about eight percent. You know, you mentioned that the NRF National Retail Federation was expecting like a three to four percent growth overall. So, so, so maybe a little bit below that. But then there was this other source, Adobe Analytics, was saying that Black Friday was up seven and a half percent from last year. So, you know, I don't think either of those really see anything. So, I think it's maybe safe to say kind of growth in the mid um, mid single digits and. If, if that was the only thing you could have to look at, you would think the consumer was doing just fine. I mean, even though it's not adjusted for inflation, not really clear what impact inflation is having on some of these deals. I mean, it seems like maybe the, there there were such deals that there was actually deflation in some of these categories. Um, some of what Walmart was talking about was kind of deflation. So if you look yeah. strictly at that, you would think that the consumer is really healthy. And I think the counterpoint to that is that Consumers are clearly putting more on credit cards. You have that sonar chart, the revolving credit, outstanding, which, you know, yeah, for a long time it keeps rising and now it's maybe starting to um, settle in uh, up there at almost 1.3 trillion. That's total revolving credit. Credit cards are a little over a billion of that, but that little flattening out, I think, um, suggests consumers are maybe getting a little, little bit tapped out, like we'll, we'll see in a couple of slides here, but credit card balances rose 1.6% in October from September month over month so that's versus 0.7% which is seasonally normal and there's been an increase in 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 charge offs as as well and so you have all those things and then on top of that you've had you know growth in the buy now pay later schemes which is 7.6% of the online um you know shopping now and you want to go to the next chart on this utilization rate so this is the 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 the, the thing. I mean, I, I would say that, you know, you have the the, the credit card balances have, have risen and, you know, some people would say, well, they really haven't risen as fast as inflation has. You have another chart on that that shows, um, you know, the, the credit card balance is not rising as fast as inflation. So the, the total credit card balances in blue. This is from the, the Federal Reserve of um, Boston. So in, in absolute dollars in blue, you see that hitting new records. If you adjust it for 2015, levels it's still well below let's say the pre-pandemic you know levels but if you go back to that previous uh chart is maybe the one that i think is maybe more interesting which is showing that these utilization rates um, so these are credit card balances relative to how much you know credit availability there is those are up almost across the board and in most cases above pre-pandemic levels and then you look at the ones that are in that less than $75,000 range, and particularly the fifty to $75,000 range, these are, um, credit card balances are over 30 days due. More than 80% of them are, um, more, more actually more than 80% are, um, is, is what the credit availability there is, is being used. So if it's, um, you know, if it's a hundred thousand, which probably wouldn't be, that they'd, they'd be, you know, you have 80,000 of, of credit. So you get the idea consumers are getting close to, to maxed out. And then, so it's, it's kind of this point counterpoint of on the surface, retail sales are strong beneath the surface, there's some shaky things. And then you bring up some good points about, um, you know, buy now, pay later. How, how would you summarize that?
1: Yeah, well, what I, I think is interesting, I do want to point out is uh, looking at that, that last slide in particular and just seeing even the over 100,000 uh, is close to 70% of their credit limit being used, I think is, it's just kind of shocking overall. We've seen this, the, the n- almost normal trends of what we see more of the 25,000 to up to 50,000 uh, households, but to even see that the, the 100,000 plus getting that. Close to, I mean, seventy percent, pretty much of their of their limit. I think is uh, pretty shocking. And like you said, right, uh, overall we saw uh, retail sales over the holiday weekend uh, higher, right, than than we've seen in the past. But bringing up the buy now pay later uh, type of uh, way of paying I guess you could say I think what we're seeing is uh, uh, most Americans trying to push off what they're spending now into the next year Uh, and even more so then you get into uh, of course uh, the charge offs which is rising and and so that's what I I was interested okay as we have more of these buy now pay later that came out just a few years ago I mean their charge off rates are getting just pretty much about the same now as what we're seeing on credit cards which average around 2.38 2.38 percent i believe that's figures from last year uh now in 2021 they're at 2.39 percent so pretty much at, at the same average as credit card which is not good because it's not supposed to be used like a credit card and actually can depending on how many you have and, and how you used it in the past can actually hurt your credit score more than even credit card delinquencies as well um and I believe, yeah, the CFPB had, had found uh, at least last year that 10.5 percent of all customers using uh, the buy now pay later's were charged at least one late fee. And if that was last year, I can't imagine what that uh, rate will actually be this year when they report on that too. Uh, so it's it's quite concerning, I think, for me to kind of see this and and see how many of these uh, uh, type of companies are out there now. I mean, you have a firm. The name one's off time. I had a firm, Clark after pay um uh, there's Zip now, right? You can do through your Apple card. Uh, but the positive thing, if you want to find kind of a positive out of the buy now, pay laters, uh, that is going to actually boost a little more online e-commerce sales because most of these cards or accounts you can't use uh, in-store, they're going to be online. So when we see mm-hmm. uh, probably a higher rate of e-commerce or online purchases, uh, what also makes me nervous as well is that day because there's a large majority of people trying to find a way to pay for these items, but again, pay later. So uh, it is. I think it's gonna be pretty uh, pretty interesting for us to watch the credit card utilization as time goes by, uh, because I can just imagine if we're seeing more and more of those groups get higher into the new year, well, we can just imagine what's happening in the buy now, pay later
0: space as well. So what are the penalties like if someone doesn't pay um, when they're supposed to pay?
1: So I believe that there's uh, like a heavy fee that you pay because uh, unlike credit cards, there is no technical interest rate. So I imagine what they make most of their money off of is when you do miss a payment uh, that uh, it, you of course uh, have to pay a high penalty. What I find interesting is, at least the one that I've used in the past is you can't connect your credit card to it. A couple of years ago, I think they changed this. When a lot of these first came out, you could use a credit card and there was a lot of reports of people paying off their fees on credit cards, which is just like a, uh, Wonderful circle of debt, if you want to think of it that way, uh, but now you have to attach it to a debit account. So, again, what also makes me nervous is if we save a higher charge off rate with these type of loans. Well, they're collecting these straight from from bank accounts. Uh, if if they haven't either shut down their account to begin with or called their their banks and said, "Hey, don't this don't let this charge go through," which uh, I'm sure you know is. Uh, not good when it comes to your overall credit score and and mm-hmm. clearly what you look like as a consumer when it comes time to purchase a home or, or open up another line of credit that you might actually need for something that's less important than maybe some holiday gift that you bought. So uh, I think what makes me nervous is how some of these are set up and really connected to your to your liquid I- income and more so just the chargebacks. If we're seeing credit card delinquencies as high, I'm just gonna assume that we're probably seeing the same trends on the buy now, pay later side as well.
0: Yeah, it's still a topic I'm learning about. And I mean, what's interesting to me is I, I do wonder, um, and maybe you know this, uh, the, the buy now, pay later, you can't put it on a credit card. Is that because the Klarna's in the world don't want to pay the fees to the credit card companies, or is it because the credit card companies view those buy now, pay later as competitors to themselves?
1: Good question. I mean, uh, uh, that I'm not 100 sure of. I mean, for it's it's kind of like with I look at it more of like almost you're taking a loan off on on a loan, right? Like you, at least I I couldn't pay my uh car payment at the time with my credit card right i had to tie that directly to my bank so i'm not sure if it's a risk assessment situation or or something along those lines it could also be the competition side of it as well um but I, i think for them it's more of uh i would assume maybe being closer to the consumer's actual liquid funds
0: yeah. So in any event, it seems like the consumer data here very mixed. People are in very different tracks. It seems like people that had a lot of cushion, um, you know, before all the inflation the last couple of years, still kind of spending what they normally would have spent. They're maybe just saving a little bit less. That's why you've seen uh, savings rates go down. Um, but really, people really haven't adjusted their lifestyle if they don't have to. Um, but at the same time, people that were just kind of kind of close to, um, you know, living paycheck to paycheck already. You know really getting closer to being maxed out i mean my concern would be that eventually you have recession and then the job market isn't so great people lose their jobs well then people are in a lot of trouble that causes a lot of 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 defaults and 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 those things we did hear from some of the retailers last week one of the things that stood out to me and i think one of the themes was that a lot of the retailers said that they're not having trouble finding people they're not expecting a lot of labor inflation um was it Walmart that said they were overstaffed, and I think Home Depot said that um, Depot, yeah. they're, they're they're not concerned about attrition anymore either. So yeah. a lot of those big employers seem like they have enough people. Uh, so I, I don't know how much longer the um, rising wages can um, you know help out uh, people that might have credit card debt, but.
1: Yeah, the one thing I, I maybe assume is that we'll see a lot of people file their taxes as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And so maybe some of that will get paid off right into the new year.
0: It's a good point. Um I want to move on to a chart that I think is kind of interesting. I mean, I think another topic is is inventory levels. And, you know, there's been some debate about this, whether inventory levels have been really, truly right sized. Uh, so in the white line here is a retail inventory to sales ratio. Yeah. And if you just looked at this, you would say inventory levels are at a low level. I think a lot of retailers would say they're kind of in line. I think others would say it's kind of mixed by category where, um, you know, some of the discretionary items are still a little bit high. I think things like furniture, apparel, still a little high, Uh, but this has has come down from uh, sort of the historic levels. I think there's been some shifting where a lot of the retailers are focused in on the the items that tend to move really quickly during the holiday season, like you know, I think it was Best Buy, so they have lower overall inventory but more video game consoles. Like they, that's kind of similar to what other other people are saying. And it kind of to me, interesting economic tidbits: is existing home sales down um, about fifteen percent year over year, and that makes a lot of sense with the higher interest rates and, and kind of worst time possible to buy a home. But but you know, with that. You know, people are not setting aside enough uh, as much money to, for the for the home purchase and for transfer taxes and for retail uh, for um, retail sales of furniture. Retail sales of furniture is down about twelve percent year over year, and so even though these inventory levels are below what we're sort of accustomed to, um, you know, I really haven't heard anything about um, you know stockouts or, or items being hard to find. Have you? No, if anything, I
1: think I, we go back to what Walmart and a number of uh, companies, retailers, had said in their earnings that they're looking to take advantage even more so of some of these discounts. That's, if anything, that's what I, I like I said, when I went out and shopped, there was a number of things that I was like overly surprised at uh, kind of what the product was and what the deal was. I mean, I brought this up lightly on Freightways Now, but I think I was at, Walgreens and they had like one of this, like this like box set of razors with like a uh, uh, shaving cream and like shaving lotion for like 10 bucks. And I was like, well, that's a steal like any time of the year. And mm-hmm. so I just wonder if we're going to see some more of these deals that are getting some of this uh, inventory off the shelves of some items uh, that are aren't usually on sale or promoted the way that they are. Um, When it comes to furniture, it's interesting. That's actually what I bought uh, quite a lot of this weekend for a number of my relatives and uh, Mm -hmm. personally went to Wayfair and a number of sites and, and found that there's really some great deals out there for anyone who's who just went at home looking for stuff. Uh, there's something that you can sure get off of uh, one of those sites in particular for a really great price, and uh, I think we'll continue to see that going into. I went to a couple stores this weekend. Uh, I noticed that if anything, maybe some of those large items they've kept in their warehouses, that they're not in store. Uh, so if clearly if you want to buy them, it's like you have to get them shipped to you. So I take that as well as that having them in-store isn't really um, advantageous towards uh, getting them off their quote-unquote shelves or or total inventory. So um, yeah, nothing that I was looking for wasn't there. Um, Even some of the really great deals, you would think, okay, those would be gone in the first couple hours. A lot of that stuff was still available.
0: Yeah, so I think in some cases, I mean, I think some some companies have been too, too quick to say Inventories are in, a, are in good shape. I think that's not true across the board. I think there's still some some pockets where it's rising. And I think all things being equal, you would expect inventory levels to be rising because there's so much inventory being placed closer to consumers. So Amazon yeah. just went from having its marketplace sellers, which represent 60% of Amazon sales, go from a national distribution model to a regional distribution model. So now there's eight regions and, and all you have to, you have to participate in this in order to qualify for, for Amazon Prime. And so the products really do need to be closer to um, the, the consumers. And so that's gonna mean that there's, there's more inventory overall in the system, uh, at least if you wanna participate in, in Amazon, I, I assume others are gonna do that um, as, as well. So um, all of those things to keep in mind and, and, and inventories, which are so, so critical in determining um, you know, freight uh, demand, when eventually there's, there's restocking. I uh, want to move on to um, Donnie Gilbert's write-up. So, 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 Donnie, I think his, his background is similar to yours. I'm in the brokerage mm-hmm. industry, so um, you might be able to explain this better than, than I, I currently understand it. Um, so, so he re- he wrote up uh, a blurb on Sunday. So on Sunday, we published this, uh, you know, week uh, weeks ahead outlook. Uh, you know, go through various you know, sectors. I do the intermodal section. Donnie does the the, the shipper section. So the shipper section. He talks about you know tender rejections still being under four percent. For if you look at just dry band, it's it's really closer to three percent. So really low tender rejections. There's no significant capacity deterioration um, right now in this sort of strong season. No no notable pickup in the spot market activity uh, yet. Um, you know possibly there is you know a little bit closer. Um, but he also brings up some some interesting um, sort of tidbits, sort of rejection rates and spot rates. Historically, tend to rise about December fifteenth, so that tends to be maybe panic mode. He says that capacity comes more out of the market as the month of December progresses. So I guess that's because drivers at some point say, "Okay, I'm done for the year." And if you know, if you're not motivated, maybe it's the first week of December. If you're highly motivated, maybe that's you know the day before Christmas. But capacity gets tighter, and then you know, along with that, there's there's more and more items need to be. Um, you know sort of expedited uh, you know at least on parcels side that the busiest day tends to be december 20th or, or 21st um but but all those things at, at least so far he's not seeing any any spot rate um, you, know, spot, you know, spot activity uh, improve and then if you look at the this chart we have on the spread between spot and, and contract rates that's still at a really high level where overall mm-hmm. the contract rates 61 cents below the spot rates and so that suggests at least something's not sustainable most likely that you know i guess we've talked about this in the past i mean the spot rate's probably not going to go much lower uh, because of the the carrier's costs contract rates likely to you know fall you know further um, to catch up a little bit Uh, a lot of the bids are coming in now um you know extend through the, the the first the first quarter so not a lot of evidence of much changing in the um, in the truckload uh, space. And um, with your you know, background on brokers, wanted to hear your thoughts on. Is, you think that spread, um, you know, is related to the, the broker? You know, more proliferation of the brokers, more the brokers taking a larger you know, share of the capacity, and that sort of represents the the, the broker spread. Or how do you interpret that, um, given your background? <sighs>
1: Uh, well I do agree with him that uh, that we're gonna see that that rise in spot rates uh, closer to December 15th that's when people are gonna really start uh, like you said expedited shipments in particular are gonna become big so uh, I think carriers just in general start charging more knowing that and knowing capacity is coming off uh, of normal uh, numbers. One, you're right. A lot of people are going to go home for the holidays. I mean, to be honest with you, depending on where you run regionally, you'll see a lot of carriers between uh, Christmas and even, honestly, into January, knowing how awful the market usually is during that time, and also uh, service disruptions into the truck. I mean, you're hitting a bunch of uh, winter weather. There's chances that you have that your truck won't start in the morning, that you'll have slowdowns, that you'll have uh delays which we all know all of those words mean loss of of uh profit revenue in general for a carrier and in a market we're seeing today and especially how this year we've seen carriers just overly diligent in watching their their uh their cost i think they're going to be even more uh risk sensitive going into this season in particular. I mean, the last thing you need is that for a trailer to not start in a market, be down uh, because of the weather, be down for a few days. And then, you know, you're out, uh, out that revenue, out that profit in particular. So, but still of course paying for the driver to be wherever he sat. So that becomes key. Uh, so weather conditions is huge. I'm very interested in seeing even what we see from the LTL market uh, during times where of course you need things delivered Before Christmas, Uh, you'll see more, I think, of these last mile providers being key to that supply chain compared to risking it on an LTL service. I know for a fact I used to promote putting it on a, a partial truck compared to doing an LTL during this time of the year because you just can't afford those delays. Uh, You also for more of like the flatbed market, I mean, over the next couple of weeks right now, you're going to see huge rates out of the Northwest, uh, in particular for Christmas trees, getting those there on time, wreaths, all that stuff. Uh, And then at the end of this month, between uh, Christmas till January, oversized shipments in particular can't move. Uh, in most areas uh, over the weekend, but also during the holidays. So you're gonna see a lot of that flatbed market take off after usually it makes a lot of money on trees and things of that nature. So. Uh, Yeah, uh, big things I'm watching for shorter hauls. We brought up the warehousing regional aspect. I think a lot of people are repeating that. So I'm interested in seeing how more of that short haul market, 500, 700 miles, uh, more 500 and under uh, takes off compared to others. And of course, uh, watching closer to the 15th where those rates start to move as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, it will be very interesting. Um, you know, it's great that the Sonar product breaks down the length of the hall, um, breaks yeah. down the, all the demand and, and rejections by, by length, of the hall. I mean, earlier in the fall, we saw a lot of that really be the the longer hall that, that moved more, but we'll see if that's, um, turn it's reverse itself. Like it probably will, um, in, in the shorter hall things side of things. Um, want to run through a couple of, of articles that are up on the site in the last couple of minutes. Um, Mark Solomon had, a an article you felt said thinking inside the box. Um, Looks like um, you know my driveway sometimes with how much my wife orders on um, on Amazon. Uh, that picture does, and, and so we've all had this sort of experience where you order one small thing, comes in a huge box. Sort of what you know? Why does that happen? Is there a way to you know reduce some of that efficiency? Um, you know, one of the things that was interesting from one of our earlier shows when we had Chris Mo on, who does consulting for Amazon, um, you know, marketplace sellers via his, his company Cartograph, is that the sellers have to move. Within the Amazon constraints and fit their products into certain size boxes, so you know th- that's something that you know shippers are pretty you know cognizant of usually is is sort of how to get the things in but, but he he's talking a little bit more about things like having one piece of you know lipstick inside of a huge box, and you know he brings up that that's a it's a it's a bigger issue for small sellers because the larger sellers can negotiate away some of these you know fees for um, for dimensional weight pricing. So I thought all those things were interesting. I guess you've quotes some companies that have some some interesting takes on on that. Um, and then want to hit this last article here, uh, supply chain visibility. So this one was was um, contributed content written by Bart Bart from formerly from Project Forty Four in Gartner. So I just saw him at the conference, um, wealth of experience in the in the industry, talking about you know, just how critical it is to be able to see your inventory kind of in real time using things like RFID chips, um, you know, in order to fulfill uh, orders quickly, manage inventory. Um, It really makes you wonder whether there's gonna be more goods moved under more of a dynamic pricing model, Um, almost like there is for sports tickets where a team's doing well, the prices go up, you know, weather looks to be horrible, prices go down. But I guess the the more you you move to that, in type of business model, the more you can, you can do those.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with uh, Bart's assessment on there too. I think uh, I like that. I mean, that's the future of, of the freight tech in particular. And I think, honestly, uh, if you go back and to our YouTube page and watch uh, Brad Jacobs talks, that's how he sees the brokerage space evolving into over time too. So uh, definitely one for our readers to check out.
0: Yeah, so go check out those things and I want to wish everyone a happy Cyber Monday.